1962, Walter Cousins made the biggest mistake of his life. He slept with the au pair for a month. She was an English exchange student named Diane Burroughs, and he was an actuary at Pearsall Crane Incorporated, whose wife had suffered a nervous breakdown that summer. Diane had been in his house for less than a week, mothering his kids, cleaning, making meals, when he noticed a new word intruding on his assessment of her. Here I am, thought Walter, an actuary, a guy who weighs risk for a living, and now, because I'm infatuated with the wrong person, because I'm smitten by an eighteen-year-old, I'm using the word fate. Diane had been peddled to Walter by an office temp familiar with her current host family as a nice girl from the UK who needs work to extend her visa. Walter, who at thirty-four had never left North America, thought au pair sounded pretentious. You mean babysitter, he told the temp. Immediately regretting his provincialism, he added, I could also go with Nanny. The temp's comeback was sharp. She was younger than he was, wore formidable boots, and had an air of immunity to an office flirt like Walter. No, definitely it's au pair, she said. She's here on a visa. She's from out of the country. If you take her on, you become her host father and you give her an allowance for whatever she does for you, child care or housework or whatever. Au pair it was then. Walter took down the phone number, called Diane's host mother, then spoke to the girl herself. In no position to be picky, he needed help yesterday. He hired Diane on the telephone. This is hard to explain, he explained, but my wife's hospitalized. Back came the sort of English inflections he couldn't help but be charmed by. In hospital, she said. I do hope it isn't serious. No, he said. But meanwhile, there's the kids, four and three, Barry and Tina, out of diapers, but still, they're tricky to corral. Then allow me just a smidgen of shameful self-promotion. What you need is an English au pair, sir, adept with a rodeo rope. I think you mean lasso. Alas, with a lasso, then, for when they're mucking about, Starkers. That's what I need. Something like that. Well, said Diane, I'm your girl. This flagrantly forward use of language... Neat, cunning phrases and breezy repartee, from the mouth of a high school girl jockeying for work, was new in his American ear. Diane sounded quick-witted and cheerfully combative, qualities he'd always found winning and attractive, as in her screed on the U.S. State Department and its Byzantine visa requirements. I'm still keen to go to college in America, she told him. But at the moment, I'm furious with your Seattle passport office. They're trying, actually, to throw me out. The next Sunday, with his kids complaining in the back seat of his Lincoln Premier, Walter went to escort this girl from her host family's large Victorian near Seward Park to his brick-veneered ranch house in Greenwood. He hoped Diane wouldn't be too disappointed to discover she was moving down in the world and as he parked on the cobbles fronting the Victorian, he imagined himself apologizing for having nothing to offer in the way of gilding or ambience. 
Seward Park, after all, dripped old money and featured lake views. Greenwood, by contrast, was dowdy and decrepit, with summer-arid grass patches and sagging gutters. Walter, of course, would have liked a better neighborhood, but his was a notoriously mid-wage profession, a fact he hadn't reckoned with at Iowa State, but was reckoning with now too late. Not that it was bad at Pearsall Crane, where he held down a cubicle by a window. Walter took certain consolations there, in collegial hobnobbing, in crisply dressed women, and, not least, in the higher realms of actuarial science. That the predictive power of numbers on a large scale could be brought to bear on future events, for Walter that was like an esoteric secret and, as he put it to himself, sort of mystical. Okay, it wasn't art or philosophy, but it was still deep, which almost no one understood.